I'm David. Sure, you know that by now. I'll keep a firm grip on this pulpit. I tend to walk when I um, preach. I can end up over there or over there, so we'll try and stay in the one spot. Is that right, Mick? So today's Bible verse we're going to look at is Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but shall be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I might just pray. Father, we thank you for this time. I pray, Father, that... uh, what is spoken today will be what you want spoken. You've got the people here and on Zoom, wherever else listening that you want to listen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Today we're mostly going to focus on the first part of that verse. My coming to the Lord is the biggest thing that has happened in my life. I would like to start this morning's message with only one part of my testimony. Probably around 2005, we had been successfully operating an earth-moving business in Kununurra for a number of years. It was going well. It was going that well, we had plans to grow it further. But I remember driving along the road one day and thinking... What a shame that this success can't go on forever. As it was all that I was living for at the time. I knew that there was a God somewhere and that heaven existed and that I couldn't take these earthly treasures with me. But I didn't think for a moment that there could be anything better than the success that I was enjoying at that moment. Even though somewhere vaguely in the back of my mind I thought I was a Christian, but I never understood what it meant to be a Christian. So I pushed that thought aside and kept pushing on. Pushing on with what I wanted, with little thought for the more important things in life. You see, it was all about me. I was number one priority in my life. I was building a house on sand, a big strong house, or so I thought, but it had no foundation. God was not at the centre of my life or my business. He was somewhere down the list. What was driving me? It was my own selfish desires based on a fear of man, not on a fear of God. With every phone inquiry or request for my earth-moving services, it was fueling the fire and pushing me further and further away from God. Down a path that ultimately would lead to a place of eternal darkness. It says in the Bible in John 10.10, And it reads, The thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. 
and I have come that I may have life, that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. There is always hope for a sinner while he is still breathing air on this planet. No matter what he has said or done or where he has been, Jesus' death on the cross covered every sin for those that believe. Soon after this time, praise God, started the downward spiral of, of what was at the time the most important thing in my life and that was my work. Over the next few years it was all nearly taken away from me. You see, when your greatest treasure is threatened or removed, you only then can start to see the value of other things in your life, like God and family. I started to see the brokenness in my life. I started to see the holiness of God and the unholiness of my unsaved self. Moving ahead to early 2010, this was about the time that I started to notice something different in the Christians around me. There was something that drew me to them. There was a certain peace around them. There was some sort of a glow about them. They were different. With my life the way that it was, there was no peace. Certainly no sort of inner glow. I was struggling and I wanted what they had. At the time we were attending a church, but not until later on did I find out that there was quite a few people there praying for me. I was starting to wonder about heaven and hell which led me one day to asking a question of the pastor there as I was concerned about my eternal address. He, being led by the Spirit of God and in fairly strong words, answered my question but left no doubt as to where I was heading. He had been obedient to God to basically give it to me straight and I was finally ready to hear it. I finally came to the truth that I wasn't a Christian, wasn't a Christian, as I had falsely thought I was all of my life. As I mentioned earlier, I had started to see the unholiness in my life, and I knew at that point I was far from God, and would remain as such for all eternity, unless I did something about it. It shook me up badly. God had allowed me to understand something of what that meant. That where I was heading would never ever change once I died. I started to understand that if I didn't do something about it, I would one day stand at the gates of hell and know that my destiny would be set forever. I lived with this fear for three months, not wanting to come to repentance. 
It says in Romans 6 verse 23, and it reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All the while, God was on my case. Until one day, an elderly couple visiting from Perth gave me a little book called So Now You Call Yourself a Christian. It was like a kid's book. Comics on the front. It was a very simple book with filling questions and answers. I was reading that book one day out on a cattle station whilst digging a dam on my own. And I said to God, what do I need to do? And he gave me the same answer. And he gave me the answer, the same answer that he'd been giving me for months. Repent, turn away from your sins and follow me. I decided then to give it all to him. Everything that was important to me and even the stuff that I didn't like about me, my sin, he took the lot. I held nothing back. I will share this quick testimony of my coming to the Lord that God gave me one morning six years after that event. And it reads, Six years ago today, the Lord lifted this bloke up from the pit of darkness. He knew the power of his love and grace so strongly. He started on a transformation in that man's life. Funny thing is, that he had a smile on his face afterwards that no one could take away. There was incredible forgiveness from God on that man and from others around him. His sin left lots of scars that are healing more and more each day. He took the weight off his shoulders so much that he was almost floating and he couldn't keep quiet about it. All praise to our Father in heaven for his mighty work and love and forgiveness in me. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, and it reads, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. To be saved, I first needed to know my need to be saved. I saw my unrepented sin. I saw the perfection of God. And I saw the two were not compatible. I had before the 22nd of 2010, the day of my salvation, tried to clean up my act to rid my life of sin. If there was any resemblance of some success, it was only temporary and covered with a band-aid. There was no cleansing of sin, no washing. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only way. I would like to read Psalm 51, and this is what it says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, 
I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I will give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, and they shall offer bulls on your altar. He restored me. I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. To whom have believed... We who have believed have our salvation. We are a new creation. We have passed from death to life. As it says in John 5 verse 24 and it reads, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. In Jeremiah 9, verse 23, it reads, Thus says the Lord, Let not wise men glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. That was me before salvation. It goes on to read in verse 24, But let him who glories in this, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. It also says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 7 in the New King James Version, that he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And in other translations it says boast in the Lord or boast about the Lord. These verses are about the Lord and what he has done in us. Not boasting about the changes in us, 
there is a distinct difference which I find hard to put into words. But I do know I have struggled with this concept at times. That would be a form of pride when it, comes, when it becomes about me and not him. In James 4 verse 6 it reads, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We all want to be used by God to help grow his kingdom, to be salt in this world. I'll read again the start of the verse from Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It preserves things like me when there's no refrigeration. Salt is needed for it to remain edible. As Christians, we bring a message of hope. Just as that pastor gave me a direct message of heaven and hell and my need to be forgiven. That hope is eternal life for a sinner whom left on their own to die without salvation will end up in eternal death. But like meat without salt left out of the fridge, it will eventually rot away. Salt also enhances the flavour of our food and gives us much enjoyment when we have a meal. The Christians that God had around me helped draw me to the Father. They had a flavour or an aroma that is attractive to the person that God is drawing unto him. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 it says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. It goes on to say in Matthew 5, But if salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Salt in its natural state in the ground can be exposed to the elements and over time it can lose its saltiness. But if you dig further, but if you dig down a little deeper to the salt deeper down near the rock, it retains its saltiness. But the salt further away from the rock left exposed is useless. In early days that salt was just thrown out in the roadways. And just like these two types of salt, we as Christians can be very similar. Although we have our salvation, we can lose our effectiveness for God to be able to use us. The Christian who walks close to Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, can remain effective for God in this world. But if the Christian becomes of this world, he will move away from the source of life and lose his effectiveness for God. I've got a song I want to play, always going to bring that up, by Rich Mullins, and it's called Hold Me Jesus. I'll get back up after that and share a few more words and a prayer with you. Oh, 
a movie the other night and uh, that song was on it and uh, it played a big part and helped me do the message today. Just kept playing it and playing it and God was speaking me through it. I believe Rich Mullins wrote that song and I wonder what he was facing at the time when, um, when he wrote it. Life can get hard. You have worries and fears, the wrong sort of fear. Anxiety especially in today's times. I read a verse here from Matthew 6, verse 25 onwards. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown at the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, 
what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Those words in that psalm, one part of it, um, Rich Mullins had a perception of his current situation and he declared it before God. He said, the mountain's too big and my face too small. There's a couple of things there. He came to the Lord and shared that with him. So shaking like a leaf. He's obviously come before him humbly. But then he declares that God is king of his glory. So he declared some truth in the face of what he, right in the face of what he was facing. But he asks for something more. He asks for that peace. Philippians 4.7 And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I still can't get over that. It surpasses all understanding. That's supernatural peace. I watched a movie recently. Oh no, it was probably a year ago actually. Um, Paul? Paul the Apostle. can't remember. And I don't know how much license the producers went with this, but I found a scriptural verse that could back up what I saw in there. Paul's in prison. I think in his second imprisonment. I think he's facing death in this one, in the movie. And he's lying in bed and these images of all the children and the women and the men that he persecuted coming back in his mind and he, and he hits it straight up with scripture. He just hits it with scripture. I can't remember what it was. And I'm reading in 2 Timothy 4.18 this morning and it says, and Paul wrote, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. He had the peace of God, that supernatural peace on him. He's chained up, some studies say he's in a dungeon, surrounded by you don't know what, and yet he's still praising God, and able not to let the enemy try and drag him down. He stuck close to the rock of Jesus Christ, and what a witness that man was. We can be that witness too. So I just want to encourage you all to draw near to him. But sometimes we need others around us to help us draw near to him. And I'll share a quick story. I tend to leave things to the last minute in preparation. I'll sit on it for a week or so. This this message, John asked me two weeks ago. So I had a bit of an outline about a week ago. Thursday, right? That's the day. It's all going to happen. So uh, start in the morning. Run the sun up to work. and Come home. Get into it. At 12 o'clock, I found myself finally with my desk cleared, ready to go. I went to my desk at 11. There was an hour's work just getting through to the timber. And the last thing I did was all these books there. So I got rid of all them. There's one book there. I said, I want to read that. Put it aside. And I opened it up, didn't I? Distracted again. And this book opened up on a page. And I either, my eyes fell on this particular line or one or two before it, but within, a, within seconds, I'm on this line. So you want to be spiritual in the pulpit. You're not even spiritual in your room. Well, that was it for me. 
it was all off. For the next three hours I sat there and read this book. And even though in that book there was truths coming through that didn't apply to me, because I know I am spiritual, not all the time, in my room. I do know the presence of God on me, not all the time. So it wasn't exactly truth, but the enemy had a field day with me. That's it, I'm not doing it. So um, I jumped on my treadly and we live at Walkman and I thought, I'll go see Pastor John and tell him I can't do it. He said he had a plan B. So I wanted the exercise and I wanted an hour and a half of this how long it took me to ride up there and I was pretty exhausted. John lives on the other side of a very big hill. And I got there, spent an hour and a half going through and my mind what I'm going to say to him. And uh, he went, oh yeah, he's just nodding. And then he said some words to me. I can't remember if he said the word that stuck to me straight away or one or two sentences later. He said, God does not desire perfection. And straight away God said to me, you're being prideful, Dave. I said, John, that's, I'm being prideful. And it was just like, that was it. It just turned around. That peace which transcends all understanding just blew the enemy away with a bit of truth from a brother. So we can help each other. So I might just pray with this now if I can. And... Um, Thank you for listening. Father, we're just grateful for today. And uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, that we will encourage one another, that we will be salt in the world, that we will remain effective. And Father, you know you're speaking to me most of all in this message. But Father, you still use us with all our imperfections. That's what you spoke to me about this last week. You can use us. If we come near to you with our imperfections and brokenness, you can use us. So I pray, Father, we never lose sight of that truth. In Jesus' name. Thank you.